So I played in campaigns sometimes where the DM will, or like, and I've done this before too, where we'll grant an, a boon or something to another character for getting an extra feat for some reason. Have you guys ever done this in your campaigns or has it ever been given as a gift to you? And how do you feel about that? Like outside of the regular leveling process, right? I actually just gave all of the characters in my Strad campaign a free feat last session. Was it a specific one or did you give them the chance to choose one? I gave them specific feats as rewards for achieving a very specific task. Okay. And they did were, they all get the same one? or is it No, they, they did not. They were tailored to their characters. What I thought they oh. would think was fun. Well, that is fancy. Mm-hmm. And that must have taken you a while to do. I'm guessing to come up with individual feats for each player. Oh, I didn't. I oh, yeah, I guess I misunderstood you. I didn't write new feats. I used pre-existing ones. Uh, but okay. I told them, you know, in secret for each player, your character gets this feat. Your character gets that one. And you get this one. But sometimes a milestone is not necessarily worthy enough for a level up. And I want to give them something. Give them a feat instead. That's fair. Especially if, like, you're in a weird place in your campaign where, like, a large milestone happened in the campaign itself. And you're at that one of those levels where nothing happens. Like... That's right. actually, that's a good way to kind of place that in there. Cause like sometimes like leveling to level four is not that exciting for a character. Sometimes leveling level five is not that exciting. It's like, yeah, you get an extra spell slot or something. It's like, well, no, I'm going to grant you it because something extravagant happened. Maybe I'll give you a little something extra, right? I've never actually had it happen to me in a game. I mean, I've given out kind of boons, like charms and stuff that you can get um, in game, but I can't say I've ever given out a feat for it. Fair. Uh-huh. Adam made the mistake of giving us two feats and one level up. Ooh. And it was like, like, to be fair, it was like, you can either do two. I think he gave the option of you can either take two feats. Like it was at that level where you can either choose a feat or like a, an ability score increase. Gotcha. So, so he was like, and you can do either two feats or like, I think it was like an ability and something else. Like, so just to make it a little bit more extra. Cause again, it was one of those levels where nothing really exciting happened. And we're so low level that like having anything extra felt really nice. So yeah. My guys just hit level 12, so we're relatively high up there. So adding a feat to them isn't really going to add a ton of power. It's just going to add more flavor. Yeah, I think we're we're level six right now, but I think we got that boon at like level five, I think is when he gave us that or four, four or five. Yeah. But yeah. Didn't Adam mention at one point that, you know, normally if he gives you a bunch of stuff, he's about to like <laughs> throw something crazy at you. Yeah, that's usually how that goes. Like 100 yeah. percent. Yeah. No, so it is it is fearful when you are given a gift from Adam. <laughs> so <laughs> he's trained uh-huh. us well. <laughs> it's a Trojan horse of sorts. Yeah, yes. 100%. Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another It's a Mimic episode, where we continue our conversation on player options in Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. I'm Kyle, and with me today are Megan and Jeff, and this episode is called Feats Part 4. Enough fluff and stuff to buff the rough and tough. <laughs> Say that again faster. No. Feats Part 4. <laughs> enough fluff and stuff to buff the rough and tough. <laughs> well done. Well done. Uh, in this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, this panel of Dungeon Masters will be looking at all the feats that buff up party members and add an additional depth to the experienced adventurers. Most people focus on combat or spellcasting feats, but the utility feats we're talking about today have the ability to be sneakily good. If you focus on exploration or role-playing or out-of-combat mechanics, 
Can you think of an effect you'd like to see from a new kind of feat? I th- there are already too many feats. I <laughs> we talked about this. There are too many feats. <laughs> but do you have Agreed. a real answer, Kyle? I don't. I, <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, so no, not really. I was like, oh, what could I do? And then I kind of like forced it. But I mean, like something that revolves around downtime activities, I guess you could do, right? Like uh, maybe something that gives you more gold out of uh, doing stuff like gambling, right? If you were like a rogue or um, something just to make the downtime activities more important or to get you extra boons out of it, I guess. I guess for me, I'm not necessarily looking for 20 or 30 more feats out of official 5th edition, but I have been known to homebrew feats for specific characters at the table, and that's all I want out of new feats, really, beyond the stuff that we've already got. Yeah, and I mean, if that helps, like that would go back to like your characters' personalities and what their backgrounds give them, right? Because I find that we select backgrounds for characters to start them off, and then we never go back to what your background is. It's just on your sheet, it gave you an added thing, and then it's done. So I feel like it'd be interesting if there was feats that involved either leveling those up or utilizing them within the campaign a little bit better. So yeah, no, that'd be kind of cool. Or like I know with the Dragonlance campaign, they do have a background that gives you a feat as well. So that mm-hmm. would be kind of cool, right? Yeah, more of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, before we get any deeper into this, let's cut to a quick ad break. We've previously covered quite a bit in our discussion on player options in Fifth Edition. For all of those episodes and more, you can follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and dozens of other podcast apps. If you would like to support us, you can donate through the website, check out our store, or join our Patreon and get access to other episodes and series. If you would like to pay for some ad space on It's a Mimic, or just send a shout out to a friend, please reach out to us through our email and website that are listed in the show notes below. This week on the It's a Mimic podcast, we're going to be treated to another group of great clans as Roman and Megan continue to walk us through Legend of the Five Rings. And then on the last day of the month, the campaign builder is going to see Kyle and I sit down to discuss what it's like to roleplay certain types of monsters. But for now, let's get back to the episode. So, feats. You might be asking yourself, what is a feat? Well, it is essentially a skill that a character has honed outside of their normal class or race progression. It is a variant rule, so DMs can opt to play without them. However, it does add a little extra customization in terms of character development and allowing uh, players to flush out their characters a little bit more. The general rule for feats is that anytime players would get an ability score improvement, they can opt to take a feat instead. Although I do know that quite a few tables also opt to give a free feat at level one as well as there is the variant human, which gives you a free feat at the expense of a couple of ability score points. Some feats do come with prerequisites as well, meaning they must meet a character must meet certain requirement in order to take it, such as Grappler, which requires a strength score of 13, or Dragon Fear, which is only for Dragonborn. This means that a player can also lose access to a chosen feat should circumstances change, such as taking a hit to their ability score or if they change race through something like the reincarnate spell. And it is up to the individual the DM to decide how to deal with that player losing their feet. Are you going to give them a new one? Are you going to let them choose something else? Are you going to specifically go a route where, you know, redemption kind of style where they can gain it back? I'd hate to lose access to my feet. Yeah, it would piss me off to you, right? 
very fair. And like we did mention this in the previous few episodes, but the sense we're like, I've only ever experienced it through the potential of like losing your ability score points, which is already a piss off. Mm-hmm. And, and then now you lose a feat because you've lost your ability points. Like that's just, if you want to piss off your players, that's how you piss off your players. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, before we get started on the magical feats in today's conversation, I think we kind of need to address one of the most banned feats in 5th edition. Uh, This is kind of like a a fan banning, uh, but it's the lucky feat. Uh, So I'm going to give you a little bit of a breakdown of it, and then we can discuss. Uh, So this is found in the player's handbook. What it means is you get three luck points. So whenever you make an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw, you can spend one luck point to roll another d20. You can choose to use this after the dice is rolled, but before determining the outcome. So basically you're rolling with advantage after the fact. Uh, You can also spend lucky points when an attack is made against you and you can roll a d20 and you get to choose the dice result uh, that is used for that attack. So if you happen to roll higher and and be unlucky in that way and they happen to roll lower, then you can choose to use their lower roll instead of your nat 20 that you accidentally rolled for them. Uh, if more than one person spends a luck point to influence a specific roll, uh, the points actually cancel each other out and no additional dice are rolled, which is actually one of the rules of this I didn't realize existed. So, yeah, yeah, we talked about this in a previous in a previous episode where sometimes we forget about one or two points of a, like a large feat. And this is one of the points for lucky that I forgot existed. But like, how often would that actually happen where someone, the only way it would get used is if someone wanted to say, you're lucky, well, I'm luckier. And you happen to have luck as well, right? Yeah. Well, I feel like it's implying that they're antagonistic to each other, like trying to oppose each other with luck, which either means your group is dissenting on something or it means your dungeon master is using it against you. Yeah. Like there's another character that has it or something. So... But anyways, that is the lucky feat. So I don't think I've ever had this feat banned at my table. I'm wonder if Adam has banned it, but just none of us have actually used it. And then when it comes to like when I've been a DM, I have never banned it. So what about you fams? Have you thought of banning it before? Would uh, you? Personally, I am not a big fan of banning anything. Right? Yeah. Like it might be more of a problem if you were playing with fail tables and you really wanted to use them. Um. But honestly, if everybody at your table is taking the lucky feat to avoid your crit fail fail tables, you should probably consider lightening up on those tables. (laughs) I've considered banning it only because I was thinking about instituting a luck stat for every character, similar to the way it comes up in Call of Cthulhu. Um, But not to take luck off the table, just to use it in a different way for everyone. Yeah, that makes sense. I kind of like that idea. But yeah, I don't really understand why people would want to ban it. Right. Unless you're like really aiming for your players to fail. It's not really. I mean, I suppose if you have one player that consistently rolls higher than anybody, I have a friend of mine who has the worst, like the, the most bizarre dice luck. Doesn't matter what dice you put in his hands, he's going to roll high all the time. And I can see how someone might get frustrated at that, but there are other ways to get around it than just banning the lucky feet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm terrible at rolling dice, so I I depend on being able to re-roll some way, shape, or form. Like, Yeah, you should play Spellcaster more so you can force your DM to roll against you. Oh, man. I told this story in the, with a previous episode of this, but my monk is terrible at meditation. 
<laughs> and that's and that's because she can't every every time I've rolled a meditation roll, it has been a like a crit fail. And so like she just cannot meditate. And so that's just part of her character now is because her dice rolls are so fucking terrible that she mm. just as a monk won't meditate. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there is a point of saying in this, like, um, so there is the halfling lucky trait, which exists within, you know, being a halfling. So with that in existence, does that make it acceptable or not acceptable for a DM to use it? I think it, it's a fairly well-known broken combination if you really want to antagonize your dungeon master. Play a halfling divination wizard with the lucky feet, and you're going to have luck upon luck upon like every possible opportunity to reroll stuff, and it's going to drive your dungeon master crazy. Yeah, yeah. Sure. it's your campaign now. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you give them a weighted dice, right? The other feat that's worth mentioning early in this conversation is the tough feat, which seems to be a default for a lot of people. The tough feat is basically just plus two hit points per level um, going back. So if you pick it up at fourth level, it's going to be two times four. And then every level up after that, you get an additional two hit points. So you're just making yourself a little bit tougher to take down. I wish I had taken this at, like with my current character because I roll terribly again, even for my hit dice for like because we roll for um, our hit points when we level. Right. I think for the, I think I was like, I've, I've talked about it before, but like, I feel like I was, I was sitting within the 40 to 60 HP percent like area for at least two levels. Like, <laughs> cause I could not roll above a four or five or what have you. Right. But I don't know if I would waste an entire feat on this. Yeah. So, yeah. Cer certainly not at early levels. I think you're going to get less benefit out of early levels. Uh, if it's a free feat at level one or even at level four, um, an extra two or four hit points is not going to be enough to keep you alive when things are really deadly. But at higher levels, having an extra 20 or 30 hit points might be useful. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I st it still doesn't feel like enough of a benefit for me to want to take it. No, it's like if you get an extra or you get a boon. This would be right. one that I would give somebody at an early level. Like if you notice that your your wizard or your sorcerer is going down way too fast because they're too squishy and they're playing their character hard and fast, but you kind of want them to survive a little bit longer, maybe this is a boon that they get for having died four or five times in a battle, <laughs> right? Like, keep, could you just live? That'd be great. Thanks. Like, <laughs> here you go. You need this. Yeah. Here's here's his gift for you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels a little too much like someone throwing me a penny, the feet. <laughs> Here you go. Okay. Pennies don't exist anymore. It's like throwing somebody a nickel or a dime. <laughs> it, well, reminds, I mean... it reminds me of an old Mitch Hedberg joke. Is when you leave a concert and there are people handing out flyers at the exit of the concert. And it's like they're trying to say, here, you throw this away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just all over the floor in front of the person. Yeah. <laughs> this is that feat trying to give you something nice but you keep just throwing it on the ground <laughs> why are you not accepting my kindness <laughs> all right well let's get into some feet let's roll some dice see who's gonna go first talking about their own yeah oh, there it is I had an 18 16 13 all right me first yay uh so the first one i'm going to be covering is actor from the phb uh, for actor, you get a plus one to charisma, advantage on deception and performance checks when trying to pass yourself off as a different person. Uh, you can mimic the speech or sounds of another creature if you've heard them talk or make sounds for at least a minute. A successful insight check against your deception will allow a listener to know that the sounds you are making are fake. You know, for me, with the right campaign and the right character, I would definitely take this 
right away. I love a good role play character, especially one where I can like pretend to be other ones. Like Changeling is probably like one of my favorite races to play, and I would definitely take that. But if your character's not really in, built in the right direction, it's almost useless for most characters. Yeah, but I mean, you can save a lot of work with just like disguised self, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. I think it's a lot of fun. It adds a little bit of like, this is one of the ones that I would go back to if I was playing a very short campaign and I didn't have to worry about the entire build of my character. I would put a feed into this if I wanted to play a character in that direction. Right. Yeah. But like if I was playing a long term campaign where a couple of like better feats might fit better to get a better like long term build, then I would probably look into something else. But it is it does sound like a lot of fun. Like it would be entertaining. (laughs) There. Yeah, definitely the right camp. Like it definitely has to be like campaign specific, where you are going to do a lot of role play, and you have to be with the right party that is not going to doesn't just opt for the murder hobo, you know, yeah. direction every single time. No, you're the actor hobo. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's a good thing to to mention. Sometimes when you're taking these feats that do require a lot of like actual player charisma. Um, <laughs> some that? some people aren't comfortable role playing a lot, right? And if you have a player that you know is like that, and they bring you their character sheet, like, yeah, I'm taking this feat. It's like, okay, well, you might not enjoy it as much, or it might not come in handy because you'll be too nervous or too scared to use it, right? Yeah. Because you don't want to engage in those one on one or more problematic uh, role playing situations, right? So it does take not only a very specific campaign, but also a very specific player, I think, to really utilize this to the best of its abilities. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I, also, if a, someone came up to me that doesn't often do role play and they had this on their sheet, you know, I would kind of encourage them because it seems like they might be trying to take a step outside of their comfort zone. Yeah. And I would. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to I like to see players taking a risk, you know? Yeah. Pop off my leash. Do your thing. Yeah. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And we can <laughs> we can change it. But <laughs> I have a filthy mind. <laughs> <laughs> Was it because of pop off my leash? Yes. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes, it was. <laughs> it's my new favorite condescending thing to say to people. I didn't mean it condescending in this sense, but normally sometimes when I'm at a party, if someone like cuts me off or like tries to mansplain something to me, my re- immediate response is pop off my leash. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Anyways. <laughs> <sighs> Moving on. Yeah, I think you're the yep. next step. Yeah. All right. I have Linguist, which is from the player's handbook as well. Uh, this is one where I feel like parts of it may get lost in translation and forgotten about. Uh, this is reflecting the study of languages and codes. You get a plus one to your intelligence score up to the max of 20. You just get to learn three new languages, which is great. Uh, and the part that I think people probably don't use a lot, if they take this, uh, you get to write your own written ciphers, which can't be uh, deciphered unless you teach the other person how to use it. There is a DC for an intelligence check, which is your intelligence score plus your proficiency bonus, or if you know magic can be used to decipher it. But this is a good way to write little codes to other people. And as long as you've shown them how to de- how to decode it, you can send secret messages that nobody else can read. Yeah. I feel like that would be neat for a character that has like connections to like disciples or like other groups of folks that you all speak the same kind of like cipher language. Right. Like a monastery or yeah. a druidic order or something like that. I think it either requires really deep RP plot or it requires a character that 
has a lot of backstory tie-in to some kind of organization, like you said. Yeah, like an NPC would be a good person to like have this in their kit kind of thing too. Right. Otherwise it gets used twice in a whole campaign. Exactly, right. However, like, and plus sometimes languages don't come into play in campaigns, right? It like, or they do so, so like minimalistically that it, it doesn't really pop off as much as you would want it to, right? I know it says yeah. you can create written ciphers as the wording, but mm -hmm. I feel like if a player character takes this feat and they don't necessarily use that part of this feat on their own, one thing you can do to help encourage and, uh, and help them with it is to just have them start receiving messages from background NPCs that are in a cipher they already know mm -hmm. that only they can decode. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I would like to see it uh, have also have the ability to mm. give you a bonus to deciphering other people's ciphers, mm. yeah. which I think would fit. Okay. And I think it would get probably a lot more use out of than being able to create a cipher. Cause I mean, right. I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I, I can't imagine, or I can't think of a scenario where I would need a player to write in a cipher, otherwise have their ideas stolen. Or base no six languages. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I, the languages could come in handy. I mean, like, I kind of like that aspect. Yeah. Because most times, most campaigns, everybody can speak Dwarven, Elvish, Giant, Draconic. We had one campaign where no one spoke Elvish. Hmm. And, it, and it threw the DM for a loop. Because they yeah. wrote a bunch of stuff in Elvish. And like, okay, well, who understands Elvish? And we're all like, none of us took it. Like... <laughs> crickets yeah like i know draconic does that help it's like no it doesn't it really doesn't yeah. so yeah i think it depends on the more on the dungeon master than anything else because some dms are going to make use of extra languages some of them it's just going to go right over their heads and they're not going to think about it yeah and i remember that that's actually a question that came up in my um session zero for when i was doing my l5r campaign uh, because I was playing with a bunch of new players who had never played before, uh, the question was asked is because there's there's like ads and disads, which are the same, essentially the same thing as a feat that uh, add to your language pool. And like, it is that matter? And I'm like, in my campaign, it won't. So don't bother. Like, I just let them know that use your time wisely elsewhere. Like, it's yeah. okay to have that conversation. All right. Well, mine is the inspiring leader. Uh, so this is in the PHB and it does have a prereq of requiring at least a charisma of 13 or higher, uh, which makes sense. So let me explain. With this feat, you can give an inspiring 10 minute speech to your comrades. And this gives up to six creatures within 30 feet, including yourself, that have to be able to understand you. So you do have to be able to speak the same language. You get, They gain temporary hit points of your level plus charisma mod. Um, and then you cannot gain uh, hit points in this way again until a short or a long rest. So I've taken this feat before uh, when I was playing a paladin. It just made sense for my character. And it was very fucking helpful in a dungeon crawl. Mm, yeah. Like it, it was good for going into battle. It was good for a dungeon crawl. It was good for that running into a boss battle. Everyone just gets that little extra, like, I don't know. And when you're playing an MMO, it's an extra buff before you run into battle. You know what I yep. mean? Like it just, yeah. and it's, and it doesn't take anything. Right. You, you just need 10 minutes. This <laughs> is one of the feats I just gave to one of my players in my Curse of Strahd campaign. The lore bard got it. Yeah. Uh, They're level 12. Just about all that's left to be done is to prep for storming the castle. And so I foresee it getting used before the final assault. Yeah. It's a good level to have it, right? So that's, I mean, I assume they maxed out their charisma with 17 temporary hit points. Oh, he's at a 22 charisma. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he made a deal with uh, an entity, and we'll leave it at that. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. But you know what? Honestly, I would have said I'd never. I like. I doesn't. It didn't seem that good to me. But I mean, I guess you know, six creatures you can heal your full you your whole party hit points to your whole party before running into battle. So they have a buffer yeah. to kind of figure out what the system is is like, especially if you're going into a boss battle or going into a dungeon where you don't really know what you're facing. You get a little mm. bit of a buffer before you get into your own base pool where you're going to actually have to focus on the battle at hand, right? It's like you get, yeah. it's almost like getting an extra round of combat, combat, an extra round of combat to figure out what's going on before things start getting dangerous, right? Yeah. For my guys at level 12 with that, you know, that one player having a plus six in his charisma, that's everybody gets an eight, extra 18 hit points. That's 72 hit points across the, the group in one shot. That's a couple good hits. Yeah. All right. Yeah, tough can take a hike. Yeah, yeet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, which of these three is your guys' favorite and why? Inspiring leader. Second, yeah. I like the actor because it's, I don't know, I like RP, so. I know you do, love. <laughs> well, you can always role play the, inspir- the inspiring speech you're giving as well. I had to do that once. Write a ten minute speech. I did. I, I had to do it once where they're like, "No, you need to actually write out what you say." And like, so I just started being extremely condescending to my group, and that was my inspiring speech. <laughs> just start roasting them. It was literally get your shit together, put your prop, <laughs> pack your shit up, put it in a box, put it somewhere because we got shit to do, guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this is this a lawful good dick paladin that you were talking this, about in the last this episode? Is my, yeah, this is my lawful good dick paladin. Yeah. <laughs> Pack up your shit, put it in a box, and take it somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't want to hear it. Okay. Uh, do you guys have a least favorite and why? Mm. I I gonna have to say linguist. Just just and not because I don't find it's like a good feat, because it's it's pretty good. You do get a lot of boons from it, but it just the usability of it is very hyper specific. And yeah. it just it's I it's again, it's just the the complexity of languages aren't utilized enough in D&D from my personal experience. Therefore, I don't see it as being extremely beneficial. And I say that out loud. And I know that the next campaign I run into is going to be like, hey, Megan, how do you know this weird fucking language? I'm like, no, <laughs> I know common. Get out of my DMs. Like, <laughs> can, anyone, can anyone write a cipher real quick? Yeah, I feel like this is the one that's most likely to fall flat. Yeah. And could potentially disappoint a player who thought it was going to be something great, and it turns out to just not be anything but a an, an extra intelligence point. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, uh, next round. So first one up is resilient. So for resilient, you get plus one to any ability score, and you gain proficiency in saving throws of that chosen ability. I, it's pretty good. I mean, it's a really well-rounded thing. I mean, if I had a character that had a really low score in something in particular, you know, like sub eight, I would definitely see myself picking this up just to kind of mm, shore up the defenses in that one little thing. Because if you have like a six intelligence creature, you are going to be feeling every single intelligence saving throw that you make. And so this can really kind of bump it up and not see you dead every time. <laughs> this is the feat that you give the barbarian who constantly gets charmed. Yeah. <laughs> As it, just in case. <laughs> just just buff those wisdom saves, buddy. You're gonna need it. Yeah. I think it's just, it's a nice little added buff, but like again, it's one of those ones where I don't know if I would spend a, a yeah. full feat on it, right? Yeah. 
better as a gift, not as a replacement for an ASI. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. I have skilled, which is from the player's handbook as well. This one is uh, you get proficiency in any combination of three tools or skills that you want from the book. You just get to be extra good at more stuff. Do you have to choose three tools or three skills? Or can you choose like two tools and one skill? Any combination. The words are very, any, very specific. Any combination. Interesting. Yep. Mm-hmm. No tools, all skills. <laughs> you can put that on a t-shirt you want. Are we talking about history? Yeah. Yeah. You can put that on my tombstone. <laughs> Uh, I think you might have that confused. The there's skilled ex there's skilled and then there's skill expert. Skill expert is plus one to anything, and you gain proficiency in one skill and one expertise. Yeah. yeah, the skilled is literally you gain proficiency in any combination of three skills or tools of your choice. Is the one specific sentence of this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, oh, if, sorry, Megan has skilled. I She's yes, expert. I will be talking. My about this. my bad. Expert. I'm like, I how dare confused. you? Speaking of which. Yeah. I mean, I can talk about it now. We can compare the two. Uh, so yeah. skilled skill expert comes from Tasha's cauldron of everything. So a little bit different. Um, there is no prerequisition, but you do get a, an ability score increase to one of any ability with to a max of 20 uh, proficiency in one skill of your choice. And then you gain expertise on one skill you have you have proficiency on so you already have to have proficiency on it obviously and then you get expertise in that and in doing so it doubles your proficiency mod when making an ability check that's what expertise is basically right um this is way more useful than the skilled feat it is uh but the only note is that it cannot stack obviously you can't stack expertises on top of expertise size you know so but yeah so it's that's the difference between skill expert and skilled right yeah but uh I don't know. I like skill expert. I think it gives you, I like the idea that you can combo it with skilled, but mm-hmm. I like the fact that it adds the expertise. Yeah. It's man. Expertise is so ridiculously powerful in this edition. Yeah. And it is very hyper-specific to certain classes too. So it's kind of like anybody can ha- kind of have an, at least one expertise in their life. Right. So, yeah. But. yeah. It's a great, uh, like honestly getting to choose plus one in anything, any of your ability scores as well as getting the expertise and an extra proficiency is awesome. It's a yeah. great, it's a great feat. Yeah, yeah. You can apply that to any class, any subclass, any character can use expertise in something and you get to pick from pretty much anything you want versus when you pick up expertise from like a rogue or a bard, you're typically going to be leaning on stealth or persuasion or something like that versus you give expertise to a cleric. That's going to be a whole different ballgame. Yeah, I'm going to know so much about religion. Deception and intimidation. (laughs) (laughs) For the cleric, yes. (laughs) We heard about Megan's lawful good, lawful good dick paladin. This is going to be the uh, chaotic, evil, bad dick (laughs) cleric. (laughs) Hey, man. (laughs) I'm just imagining rolling intimidation into your inspiring speech. Oh, yeah. I would have, I would, okay. If I had a paladin who was being a dick paladin or was like a dark knight or something, or like was a fallen paladin who is not necessarily lawful good, 
I would require that your like your inspiring speech would have to also roll in intimidation to <laughs> inspire oh. your group. <laughs> we are going to kill this bastard or I'm going to resurrect you and kill you again myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more afraid of the paladin than I am of the bad guy. <laughs> My dick paladin did that once or twice, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I mean, I, I like Steel Expert because I think it, it's great for, especially for backstory reasons, right? Yeah. Uh, we mentioned in the previous episode how, you know, feats are great to write a character around because mm-hmm. it really kind of helps you flesh it out. And I think this is a great one for it, right? Like if yeah. I had a mage who was also a detective or something, uh, whereas skilled is really campaign and party specific, right? Like I think skilled could be very useful if you were running a party that didn't have a rogue or yeah. an artificer, right? Like <laughs> if nobody had a lock pick. Yeah, you maybe. realize in session two that no one knows how to pick a lock. <laughs> Someone's taking skilled at level four. Yeah. <laughs> I have the tools. I just don't know how to use them. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, so which of these guys do you which of these three is your guys' favorite? Skill expert. Yeah, skill by expert. Far. Yeah. Yeah. I like skilled. It's a close second for me, but like it the added expertise is just it just takes it over the top for me. So mm-hmm. Agreed. Mm-hmm. uh so do you dislike skilled or resilient more? Get out I of think- here, resilient. No one likes you. <laughs> Yeah, there's so many better choices. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's, nice, just... it's again nice added buff. I'd use it if it was a low level campaign where I knew I wasn't going to be able to use anything else. Like there's, it, it has a use. It's just yeah, not for me. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, all right, so the next set, first one up is Chef. Uh, so for Chef, you get a plus one to Constitution and Wiz or Wisdom, not and. Uh, you also gain proficiency with cooks utensils, and during a short rest, as long as you have ingredients and your cooks utensil cooks utensils, you can create a special meal for four plus your proficiency bonus creatures. Any creature who eats the meal and expends at least one hit dice gains an extra one d8 hit point. With one hour of work or at the end of a long rest, you can cook a number of baked goods equal to your proficiency bonus that lasts for eight hours. A creature that uses a bonus action to eat one of these gains temporary hit points equal to your proficiency bonus. It's basically good berry, but instead of good berry, have a pastry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's I, cute. <laughs> it's it's a it lot of fun and a lot of really good flavor. Yeah, I feel yeah. like this is, I would give I give this to an NPC. Like as a DM, oh, I would yeah. I would have the chef NPC that's just constantly whipping up yeah. like these little, like adorable little pastries, little smiley faces yeah. on them and shit. <laughs> and, and so like anytime you're in like in a dire situation, you pick out this pastry that just looks like a like a muppet. You're just like, Ow. yeah. <laughs> I've wanted for a while to play an alchemist artificer with this feat and just combine the chef with the alchemy together. You could oh, do a lot okay. of fun stuff with that. Mm. Oh, that'd be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Megan, I love your idea, and I would definitely have that NPC poison everybody at some point. <laughs> they realize that you're not the good guys. Like you know, when you're yeah. at that point in the campaign where you don't know if you're good, if you're evil, and you're supposed to be good, but you're making a lot of really bad choices, and there's that yeah. morally gray around. Like your chef is going to be like, "I am wandering around with a bunch of murderers." I'm going to do the world a solid <laughs> and I'm going to poison all of them. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm imagining the cookies going from a smiley face to like the neutral <laughs> face to a frown. To like just a full on X with like a skull yeah. and crossbones. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it's like, Kevin, your aesthetic has changed quite a lot. What's happening here? <laughs> Nothing, guys. None of your business. <laughs> or maybe maybe the whole party isn't murder hobos, but like the one friendly NPC just, I don't know, man, You that, that rogue that hangs out with you guys is just bad news. I had to try to take him out. Did you, yeah. did either of you read or watch the TV series they attempted to make out of the um, uh, Flowers in the Attic? No. Okay. No. Anyone on the internet? Great book. Great. It's very odd. Like it's a triggering series but one of the things was that like the grandmother was poisoning the children slowly with arsenic by putting it on their powdered donuts and oh, so throughout the book it was a, so it, throughout the book it was the thing that like the, the one treat they got from this crazy grandmother was this plate of powdered donuts and that was their treat and then eventually they found out that they were actually just and like the older kids kept giving them to the younger kids because they wanted to keep the younger kids happy <laughs> so the only ones that died were the two youngest kids because they kept <laughs> eating the donuts <laughs> So, like, that's what I'm imagining now is the slow grind yeah. kill of being poisoned and going through, like, that poisoning effect, right? You're oh, welcome. man. Yeah, I want, like, a way of the long death monk or a death cleric that's just doing that shit in a city. Like, I'm just I'm just a pastry chef selling slow poison to everyone in the city. Yeah. This is the every this is the city you walk into where the first thing you hear is, oh, we've got so many strange illnesses happening. I can't imagine <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> and it turns out to be the pastry chef the whole time. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like a really sweet young woman. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. That was a oh, You people are monsters. Yep. No. <laughs> you ju- are you just learning this? All right. Let's uh let's flip that around a little bit we've got healer next which is from the player's handbook uh this is reflecting your ability as a physician uh helping to mend wounds uh you are able to use a healer's kit to stabilize someone who is dying and that creature gets to pick up one hit point you can use an action and spend one use of the healer's kit and restore 1d6 plus four hit points plus additional hit points equal to the creature's max hit dice so a fifth level character is going to get 1d6 plus 4 plus an additional 5 because they have 5 hit dice. Uh, that creature can't regain hit points from that feat again until you have a short or long rest. So it takes a healer's kit and actually makes it useful. Yes. Like yep. a useful... Like a thing... Like a thing you might actually want to buy when you're in town. Yeah. And like have with you when you're going into battle. But now I'm imagining someone like a, I don't know, like a fucking cleric rocking up and they just have like nine healers kits just on like a satchel on their their, their belts. <laughs> I'd be like, why do you have so many of those? Those are kind of useless. Like, what are you going to use that gauze for? And it's like, you just wait until you are in need and then you will be begging for these healer kits. <laughs> I think it could be fun to play in a one shot a complete pacifist. Mm. All they do in combat is run around and use healer's kits on people. Yeah, period. That's it. That's all I can do. (laughs) I got these healer kits, guys. Medic! (laughs) (laughs) Don't you have a weapon? No, I don't carry weapons. (laughs) Throws a healer kit like at the... (laughs) I fight with the power of love. And see, that's the character that you give the knife to that you stab someone and heals them. Amazing. The the reverse (laughs) Vorpal sword, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My my buddy Sam actually had that, gave that knife to one of his players. Like, you stab them and they heal 1d4 damage. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) I I need that item for myself. Uh Yeah. Uh, I just imagine the character like crying as they're using it. Well, I would <laughs> imagine I would imagine it still hurts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like ow, oh, ow, oh. 
I mean, we don't kick shame, but that sounds delightful. Yeah, um, you still get the sensation of being stabbed, right? Like you can still feel it go in. Yeah. Oh man, that's oh. a whole different podcast we could have based on that. Hey man, the After Dark podcast will make it happen one day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go over durable. Uh, this one can be found in the PHP has no prerequisition. Uh, you can gain one score increase to your constitution for a max of 20. And when you roll hit dice to heal, the minimum you gain will be double your constitution mod without a minimum of two. So this is for your high constitution characters, obviously. I I don't care for it. It, do, it doesn't spark joy, you know? Like it just, <laughs> it's, it's neat. It's cool. It's very hyper-specific to your high constitution characters. And it's nice to get a little yeah. bit of extra healing. But like the only time you roll hit dice to heal is in between battle. And like there are so many other ways to gain hit points back that you can help your players out with that this almost 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 seems useless to me. Yeah. If you're playing a barbarian and there's a warlock in the group might be a good feat. Yeah. Other than that. Mm. Yeah, uh, I guess I misread it. I thought it was like whenever you do healing, you regain a minimum Voice. It's whenever you roll you hit dice to, to heal. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I guess it's not as good. I yeah. think it's still better than tough, though. Oh, yes. Better than... Yeah. yeah. Tough can get pushed off a cliff, you know? Yeah. Um, durable does is much better, but it's very specific to constitution characters. So mm. that you have to remember. is like tough can be for, I believe, pretty much anyone, but durable is very specific to constitution. constitution. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because how do you double negative constitution modifier <laughs> so the wizard who takes the durable feat has to actually subtract more from their attacks <laughs> instead of losing the feat you actually just hype reverse the feat oh man like... <laughs> <laughs> like, all right i'm giving everyone out free feats because you accomplished this great task uh, wizard, I'm giving you the durable feat. I realize you have a minus two to your constitution. You just can't use your hit dice anymore because you're going to take a minus four hit every time you do. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds but like I a believe punishment. in you. <laughs> That's for that one meteor swarm that ruined my boss fight, you dick, from now on. Yeah. <laughs> this feels like a punishment and I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> <sighs> Oh lordy! Yeah. Uh, so, which of these three is your guys' favorite? Chef. It, it's now chef. I didn't think I didn't think it was gonna be, but it is. <laughs> it's, yeah, pulled ahead at the last second. It's the most fun. Yeah, it yeah. is the most fun. I want a Swedish chef in my campaign now. Like yeah. a, a Swedish chef? Is that? What's yeah, nice? like from the Muppet. You know, yeah. yeah, fair enough. <laughs> can you can you do that again? That just sounded like a seller in American accent. No offense, Jeff. <laughs> I mean, probably not that different. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have a least favorite? Durable. Yeah, it's too hyper specific for me. Yeah. Anybody Any can use agree. a healer's kit. Not everyone's going to get a benefit from durable. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. A healer kit is definitely, or healer is definitely more mm, flexible in terms of use, right? Like if you have one healer in your group and you have another person that can take this just in case the worst happens. Yeah. We also found a way to make healing kits hilarious. So that to me mm -hmm. is good soup. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, okay. So next batch, first one up is athlete. So for athlete, you get a plus one to strength or dex. Uh, standing up from prone only costs you five feet of movement. Climbing doesn't cost extra movement. And you only need to move five feet to make a running, long, or high jump instead of the usual 10. So, I mean, 
it's pretty good. I don't know how often you're using prone in your campaign. Right? I think that's it's all definitely going to depend on the DM. Yeah, you all the time. knock your players prone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Love it. Drives them nuts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it does. And you're like, fuck them up so quick, too. They're down just, oh, look at that. Advantage. Bonus. Yeah. But if you compare it to something like mobile, which one would you prefer? Mm-hmm. I don't know. If I'm playing a Jeff game, probably athlete i guess because, of the, because don't knock me prone bitches i mean <laughs> yeah i think it depends on the player too i mean if you have someone who's playing a fighter or a barbarian that wants to do just more than just i hit it with my sword this is a good way to give them some options of fun things to do uh you know it depends on the player i have one player in mind my sister who would no matter what character I, she's playing if i gave her this feat she would find a way to use it okay. she's just that player that's yeah. cute that's pretty good. I mean, the climbing is kind of fun. You can definitely, and the running and jumping. I think it's, I don't think a lot of people use that in their game, right? Or they're not finding excuses to, whereas I think you would find excuses to be climbing and running and doing high yeah. jumps. I think the jumping rules in fifth edition are my least favorite rules in the entire book. Yeah, I would agree. Especially when it comes to like the jump spell and everything. It just seems. It doesn't pointless. work the way you think it does. And it's nope. stupid. And it should just work the way you think it does. So fix it wizards anyway um yeah moving on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right we got skulker which is from the php uh you are a shadowy boy or girl you may attempt to hide when you're only lightly obscured from whoever you're trying to hiding hide from so you don't need to necessarily have a whole big barricade between you and somebody else you can try to hide behind like a coat rack um uh when you are hidden from somebody and you miss it with a ranged attack that attack does not reveal your spot you don't break your stealth so when you're using uh perception checks relying on sight being in dim light is not going to give you a disadvantage on the roll as well this one has a prerequisite of uh 13 and dexterity to take it so you're just good in shadows and with light cover i'd be good for your roguey sneaky characters i guess question mark or if you have a character that you want to be roguey and sneaky but you didn't take rogue i guess yeah, this is good for the new player who thinks they can try to stealth behind everything and they keep getting frustrated that they can't just yeah. give them this and now they can. Yeah. That yeah. Or sense. someone who wants to play something like the arcane archer a little yep. more stealthy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's all right. It's neat enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to take it, it would be at a lower level at a character who is going to be a sneaky character because that's you're, you're going to want to pop it off early in game. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think keep you alive longer, too, if you're low level. Or later on, later on, when you're you learn that you have to be able to sneak around a little bit more in this campaign because your DM has made that decision and you are not a sneaky character. <laughs> and you're like, okay, fine. <laughs> I feel like all of this stuff should just be a part of the ranger class. Yeah, I would definitely just agree with that. Give this to the base ranger. Would that take away from being like a rogue and stuff too? Then though, or do you? Feel- it, it does to a point, but like some of this stuff. Sure, it definitely overlaps with Rogue, but Rogue already has tons of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Ranger's a little thin out of the PHB, and I think if you just gave him a little bit of a little bit of spice, might make it a little more fun. Fair enough. Yeah. Just make it spicy. Okay. All right. Well, mine is Dungeon Delver. Uh, this can be found in the PHB with no prerequisite, and it gives you advantage on wisdom perception and intelligence investigation checks when detecting the presence specifically of secret doors. Very specific secret doors. You also get advantage on saving throws to avoid or resist traps. uh, And you have resistance to the damage that is dealt by said traps. 
traveling at a fast pace does not impose a negative five penalty to your passive perception score. What even the fuck is that? <laughs> I have never heard of that. Use that's that. mostly for like traveling, right? When you're going between yeah. cities. Yeah, and that's shit for... like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you all the time and i've never used that as a penalty to my players i do i feel like your passive perception is your passive perception like i don't like if you're traveling fast your passive perception is worse so instead of giving a disadvantage on a perception roll you apply a minus five to a passive instead oh stupid i don't i don't like it yeah i mean i i don't know i guess i've never had players tried to hurry between cities either right it's never been like you only have three days to make it halfway across the continent Mm. it's the asking the question out loud are you traveling at a fast pace Uh and and it's like well (laughs) well, yeah i'm a halfling walking with a goliath of course i'm traveling at a fast pace (laughs) (laughs) my uh again my my once stated once already i'll state it again Level 12 Curse of Strahd players are getting real cocky and have ability to fly around the map now. They've been moving at a fast pace and have learned recently the danger in doing so. I love that. Slow down. You're strong. You're not invincible. And falling really hurts. Okay, well, I'm not going to tell Adam this because he just realized in our last session that now I think it's like three out of the five players can fly. <laughs> I We had our um, our druid manage to fall 80 feet from treetop height and get herself almost killed within 24 hours of the last time her character was killed and resurrected. Almost two deaths in a single day. Yeah. Because they were going a little too fast by air. Yeah. And what did they learn? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Probably not. <laughs> no. <laughs> To be, my character dies all the time and she just gets riskier and riskier because as she levels, she gets more shit and she's like, yeah. great, I can now survive the thing that killed me last time. Like, <laughs> I'm going to jump off this cliff. <laughs> I'm invincible. You know, honestly, I don't understand that traveling in the fast pace. It seems so out of place in considering the rest of the abilities. I mean, the rest of the abilities, is, it's kind of neat. Like if, like if that wasn't there, I don't think it's missing anything. Right. right. No, like the advantage on being able to avoid traps and then take re- damage resistance to the damage a trap would do is very useful. Very useful if you're doing a dungeon crawl. The other yeah. side, though, too, is how often do players specifically ask to look for secret doors? Not nearly yeah. often enough. That's the thing. I do it all the time. Every room I'm in, I'm looking <laughs> for a secret door. I would be so happy if my players asked that one question more. What do you got to lose? I don't understand why right. you don't do it every time. <laughs> it's that and insight checks. You guys trust me way too much. I feel like I have betrayed your trust so often that you should be insight checking everything. Yeah. And yeah. yet they never learn. And I just lie right to their faces all the time. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> I got to tell you, you get that one dopamine hit of like <laughs> finding a secret door and then you're just like hooked for life. Yeah. It's yeah. Always in the back of my brain. Oh, man. My, my dopamine hits come from when my players cry my it's my favorite thing yeah shocking absolutely no one i know right (laughs) hey man the final episode of my l5 like campaign i think i got three out of five you've got an you've got an image cry Hmm? you've managed to make three out of five of your players cry i made adam cry (laughs) are we talking about like emotionally or like that frustrated crying when you're like i just want something to work it was emotions 100 emotions i broke some hearts it was a good time so yeah feels good anyways uh, yeah, so do you guys have, 
right. Do you guys have a favorite of these three? No. <laughs> They're also boring. Like, yeah. you, you bore me. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I had to choose between these three, I would say Dungeon Delver seems the most useful. Yeah. Followed by Athlete, and then Skulker is the last one in my mind. But you guys can prove me wrong. No, honestly, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. I, I feel I would give Dungeon Delver to the barbarian in my current party that I'm playing Dungeon of the Mad Mage with because the guy walks into every single fucking trap. His answer to a door is Ulfgar kicks it in every single time. Oh, but it's so much fun to do. You should put in like a fake door so that when he kicks it, he just kicks a wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I feel like I should disagree with you, Megan, just because I've agreed with basically everything else. But hey, man, I don't. pop off! I... <laughs> Wait, pop off my leash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much the same as you guys. Blessings. All right, uh, moving on to the next step. Uh, so, first one up is alert. You gain a plus five bonus to initiative. You can't be surprised while conscious, and other creatures don't gain advantage on attack rolls if they are unseen by you. So, this is pretty good. Right, yeah. Plus five bonus to initiative can make like make or break a character. Right, every time you're almost at the front of the line, can't be surprised. Well, conscious. If you have one person in the party that will basically wreck the DM's ambushes every single time, great. And no advantage on attack rolls against creatures that are unseen. So even if it's invisible, you're still you're laughing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. I would take this early and just keep it great anytime. Great for like the uh, when you're taking watch at night, right? Like you're going to have to, this person is going to be on watch every night. Like it's your job. Yeah. You give this to the elf who trances. Yeah. Or the warforged. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super useful. Yep. I like it. All right. Up next, we have Keen Mind, which is from the PHP. Uh, This also super useful in a different way. Um, You increase your intelligence score by one up to a max of 20. You always know which way north is. Uh, you always know basically what time it is, the number of hours left before sunrise or sunset. And you basically just have perfect recall. You can recall anything you've seen or heard within a month. This is, uh, I'm bad at taking notes and remembering what happened last session. So I can just ask the DM and they have to tell me. Yes, 100%. <laughs> when I read this one, I was like, I need this for my current campaign for my character. Because like, I it's like, don't get me wrong. I pay attention when I'm there. But my issue is that with life and how it goes, I miss every second or third session. And so and then when I get back to the table, it's been like a month and a half. Right. And I'm like, yeah. oh, well, I don't fucking remember what happened, guys. Like, you're gonna have to give me a, a recall here. And they've been gracious to give me the recall. But it'd be nice if my character just did that. <laughs> yeah. This is also I want to play a high intelligence character, and yet I'm not that high intelligence, and I want to make it easier on myself. <laughs> 100%. Delightful. The always knowing the hours uh before sunrise and sunset. I also get, know how annoying this would be. So, how long until we can take the next long rest? Mm. Yeah, great in the underdark, great yeah. in a long dungeon crawl. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I was more thinking of like the parties that just, you know, try to long rest every battle. It's like, you guys, spend, like five minutes in game. Yeah. You were like, in the middle oh, of a battlefield. Yeah, like you're on a battlefield yeah. that's still raging. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I want to rest though. <laughs> we just woke up 45 minutes ago. Nope, 46 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> 
get your shit together medic get us the medical kit we're moving on <laughs> it's it's not my fault you're all out of spell slots already i'm doing fine because i know it was only three hours ago that we broke camp yeah. <laughs> uh, can you see this being useful like uh, as an ability because i can't i, I for the life of me, I can't figure out how it would... Uh, this is meta-knowledge use, not character knowledge use. This is, I need to, I can never remember key plot things, but I can make my DM tell me whatever I want to know. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm talking specifically about knowing the number of hours left before oh, Sunrise um... is that. Uh, hmm. Like in an undead campaign where things or like in an underdark ish campaign when you need to know like when it's going to be safe to walk around during the day or... Yeah, campaign dependent yeah or at least like uh adventure arc dependent yeah like if you know that you sh it's safer to travel during it's night than when it's the daytime like you would know when you get the and you want to get optimal amount of travel time from your day then okay. that would yeah. they would come in character use like it'd be it's very like flavor use right mm -hmm. your character yeah. is the one that's navigating your travel plans because you're the one that knows how long you have to travel and like hey it's three hours until nightfall we need to find a place to hide right right like okay. so yeah more flavor text than anything i think all right i'm gonna talk about observant uh this is in the php go prereq and it gives you an increase your intelligence or wisdom by one max of 20. uh if a creature is talking to you and you know the language you can read sorry is talking not talking to you so if a creature is talking and you know the language you can read their lips there is no distance for this. It is DM discretion whether or not you can see them or not. Uh, and you have a plus five bonus to passive perception and investigation scores. So I think it's neat. And the only reason why I think this is neat is because in <clears throat> L5R, there is an advantage disadvantage, which again is the same thing as a feat, which is literally read lips, which comes yeah. in handy in court games. It comes in handy when you're being sneaky. It comes in handy when you just want to understand what's happening across the room without having to have a full-on engagement conversation to try and get information out of somebody. This comes in handy if you are playing like a mob boss campaign or like, I don't know, what was what is the book that has all the heists in it? Keys um, to the Golden Vault? That's the yeah. one. Yeah. So this would come in very handy for that, right? Like just little things like that. Like if you're trying to plan stuff, like I, I think it's cool. I, it's okay. very minimalistic. I don't know if I would specifically take a take it unless I knew I was going to be put in situations where it would come in handy. Plus five to your passive perception, though, means that nobody hiding from you. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you if you take this on a character that already has perception proficiency, mm -hmm. it'd be very easy to get your passive above 20 with this. And just nobody's hiding from you, period. I don't care if you cast invisibility. I saw your left big toe print as it touched that puddle. I know you're there. Yeah. I heard I heard the flicker of your cloak in the wind. Like, yeah. <laughs> Not only do I know you're there, I know that it's you, Steve. I know that catch in your breath. <laughs> oh, man. Steve, go back to bed. It is three hours <laughs> until sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Can you imagine all three of these feats on the same character? Oh, my God. Alert, observant, and keen mind. My God. <laughs> it would be insufferable. This Absolutely. person... The most annoying person possible. I'm gonna make uh, them. An, know, I'm gonna make an NPC out of this 100. <laughs> yeah, they'd it's be the mom be an, of the party. It needs oh, to be an, an owlin. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would work. <laughs> uh, do you guys have a favorite of these three? Observant. 
Yeah. Observant. I would say observant yeah. or keen mind, just because I am the kind of player that would benefit from keen mind. I think all three of them are really good. Yeah. Within their respective like zones. Yeah. I think they're very specific to whatever kind of campaign you're playing, but I feel like they're mm-hmm. all very useful. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Mm-hmm. I don't have a least favorite. I can't answer that for you. Yeah. Same. Maybe. Yeah. I would say maybe. I would say maybe keen mind if I wasn't going to be the kind of person that needed it. Like, yeah, that's true. If you're a note taker and you are like hyper invested in your campaign, you don't need it. Right. That's me. I have excessive note whenever I'm a player. I'm a terrible note taker. Even as a DM, I rely on my memory way too much. Yeah, I am. Yeah, same. (laughs) Sometimes my players will be like, "Uh, this happened. And I'm like, did it? strange i don't even take notes on what happened in a session until i'm doing the prep for a session the night before the next session oh man we had a (laughs) we were so we're firing up a new campaign and uh roman's gonna be running it and basically this is a campaign with a 20-year skip and he sent out a message to our larger group chat basically saying hey can anybody remember if this person is alive or not and if you can prove (laughs) to me that they're dead i'm killing them off anyways but like i need like i (laughs) He could not remember whether or not this character was alive or not. <laughs> yeah. Like, and those are the kinds of notes that sometimes you just forget to take. If yeah. Well, didn't you say that that campaign's been going on for like 10 years or something? Oh, God, yeah. It's been the long running campaign for many, many a millennia. Yeah. So, yeah, I imagine it's pretty hard to keep track of everything after that. It's so long, too. Yeah. I told him to just start putting X because we make character cards. So I just feel like he just needs to put like a little X on the character cards when they're dead. <laughs> dead character and then put how they died at the bottom of the card but that's co- that's maintenance and it's kind of like am i really who, gonna spend the time doing that who does that does that right so <laughs> adam adam yeah adam does do that yeah. he has a spreadsheet for all his npcs he's he's shown me his yeah. one of a couple of his spreadsheets yeah madness mm-hmm. absolute madness he handed us a spreadsheet at the beginning of our last like campaign round of like the population of the city we were in and how many of what race were in the city. Yeah. And then the top five characters for each race like area and like I how f- we knew them and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, this is the shit that I need because I'm not going to write this down. I feel like <laughs> Adam is the real villain of this podcast and he's done a lot of work to make everyone think that it's you, Megan. Oh, I know. And I'm, you know what? <laughs> I think she's done quite a good job advocating for herself, personally. <laughs> I, am, I am a kind, a kind-hearted person. I don't know what everyone's talking about. <laughs> yeah. I am a blessing on all of your lives. <laughs> Adam, Adam is waiting to pull all of us down like a Jenga tower. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> bless, 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 bless. All right. Uh, so before we wrap up this episode, we're going to cut to one last quick ad break. If you've been inspired by the conversation in this episode, please feel free to reach out and share your creativity and ideas with us and the rest of the community. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram or on our subreddit r slash it's a mimic. Also, if you're feeling particularly generous, please follow and subscribe and leave us positive reviews, likes, and comments. Engagements like that help us pop up on search engines and keep this show running. We're neck deep in feats now, and when we come back to it, we'll arm ourselves with the feats that have prerequisites. Do you think any of the ones we've talked about today should be able to stack, and uh, if you added any prerequisites to them? Oh, and mm. stack. I mean, maybe durable and tough. Yeah, or like yeah. Res- like resilient and tough too. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they mean it that way. I think I mean they mean like taking the same feat twice. 
Oh, like, okay. I see. So mean. like being able to take tough twice to get plus four every level up, or to Got take you. durable for one and then one saving throw, and then for another one. Got you. Yeah, I I still go with tough. I think being able to stack tough would definitely would make, make it, it more, more useful for me. Yeah, I think people would take it more if they could take it more than once. Yeah, because yeah. there was one feat we talked about in the last last episode that had a a feat that stacked. I think it was elemental expert or something like that, where right. you. Um, yeah, where you basically you can choose an element that you can make attack damage of and they can't have resistance to it, and you can stack that one to multiple type damage types or something like that. Okay, so hypothetical character idea. Throw down. If you if you are so unfortunate as to roll an array of stats for a new character where you get one 16 and the rest of your stats are like eight, but your DM will let you stack tough as many times as you want. You play a barbarian, and every single ASI you take tough over and over and over again. You'll never hit anything with a weapon, but you can just stand there in the front and take hit after hit after hit after hit. And at the end of the campaign, you've got like 700 hit points, but you can't even swing a sword. So you, <laughs> oh, you know what you do? You, you make like a grappler. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> Dope. Just that's, like high strength to be able to grapple someone. And then you just the take That's the sumo damage. wrestler archetype. Amazing. Grappler, yeah. 700 hit points. <laughs> That's really you cool. And you, you just find cliffs everywhere. You just walk them off cliffs. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. Oh, One man. shot character. <laughs> oh, lordy. I love that. I feel like you should be able to stack skill expert and just become an expert in everything and just become the well actually person of the party, you know? <laughs> Expertise those, in everything. For those of you that couldn't see it, I pushed up my glasses like an actor. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> I saw the lenses flare white for a second. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love that. Well, any other ones you guys can think of? Uh, I mean, the saving throw one, maybe? Right, where you get plus one to anything and then you get uh, proficiency in the saving throws. That could be more useful if you could get proficiency in all saving throws. That's fair. I like that. I think if you gave inspiring leader the prerequisite that you have to actually give a 10-minute speech, let it stack. <laughs> if you want to go on for 20 minutes, you get to add even more temporary hit points. Oh my god. Can can you go for 30? You can go for three rounds of temporary hit points and they all stack. That terrifies me. <laughs> the idea oh of having to listen to one of my players make a rousing 30-minute speech. <laughs> Might we just hey, be like a 30 in air quotes, by the way. I, I was say can't see. 30 minutes of derogatory terms is what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen up, you. up, you little bitches. <laughs> Curse on you. Curse on your cow. Curse on your house. <laughs> <laughs> this, this group will never meet up again after this session because I will have offended everyone, but we will win this boss fight. <laughs> but we will <laughs> win. <laughs> Amazing. All right, so that's all for this part of our discussion on feats in D&D 5th edition. Make sure that you subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Thank you for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website at www.itsamimic.com, a store with some It's a Mimic merch, and a Patreon. This episode and others can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and most other podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. 
please check the show notes for this episode to see links, time codes, and credits. And don't forget to reach out and share your own inspirations. I, Adam, I love that Adam might like edit this one before the next one. Sorry, the the, the first one before this one. So now I'm going to admit it just in case he hears it. My phone was definitely not on silent and on my table and vibrating the whole time. And I didn't Mm. notice it until after we finished recording. I'm going to move it to not my desk for that reason now, too. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome for that. (laughs) Do we want to roll for it or just spew? Just spew. Spew. Uh, welcome to another. If, oh, 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 okay, let me try that again. Uh, you can try to use uh, when you are. I can't word good right now. All right, I lay all the blame and take none of the credit. <laughs> That's fine. Thanks. I accept. It's okay. <laughs> I take the blame for everything on a regular basis. It's okay. I will. That's my job. <laughs> All right, team. Well, I will. Right, I'm going to go and take fun. a nap. <laughs> Enjoy. Oh, jealous. I know. It's Good. eight o'clock at night for me. So my day's done. Oh, yeah. that's fair. I'm going to go I'm see gonna... that. In, I'm going to go see Insidious. That's what I'm doing tonight. Ooh, I'm moving to the couch and I'm going to keep watching Justified. Okay. I'm going to keep sweating. Great. I love Good that. Night, for you. Fuck. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good luck, Kyle. <laughs> All right. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's so ugly. <laughs>